Greetings, Colorado River Indian tribes, and thank you for listening to the all-new Crit Media Podcast. My name is Dusty Woodell, and I'm the Crit Media Department Director. I'm here today at what we refer to as uh, Media HQ with uh, an important guest who will be talking a little bit about what they have going on in the community. But before we jump into that, I want to take a second to remind everyone, be sure to follow Crit Media Department on uh, Facebook for regular updates and to visit critmediaonline.com. In fact, bookmark it. Set it as your homepage. Uh, it's www.critmediaonline.com for regularly updated local news and information that pertains to you, the membership of the Colorado River Indian Tribes. So without further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce our first guest. Uh, that's Crit Farms Manager Josh Moore. Josh, uh, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to stop by. How are things on the farm? Things are going well right now. It's uh, Crops are growing fast. Of course, it's really hot out there. Uh, so we're we're working away producing crop for crit to be able to sell and, and you know support our economy. Very cool. So so what are some of the uh, unique challenges that the farm chases um, or faces this time of the year aside from obviously the extreme temperatures? Right. And oftentimes when you think of temperatures, I mean that's kind of complex in the sense that temperatures you think about just how they affect us. Um, however, you know some of that also goes into how. Uh, those temperatures not only affect the soil, but also affect uh, the plants and then how they actually grow. Uh, so this time of year, you know, we, especially with growing alfalfa, which alfalfa is probably about 60% of what we grow at Crit Farms, um, alfalfa really stresses out during this time of year. And, and when I say stressed out, it's not necessarily like, oh, I have a big test coming up or I have some bills due. The plant physiologically stresses out in the sense that the heat is so intense uh, that it slows production and growth. Um, so we call this time of year the summer slump. So summer slump usually spans from mid-June through probably mid-September, where the temperatures are prolonged at such high temperatures, the plant actually slows way down. Um, and so thinking about that, usually most farmers in our area are cutting alfalfa every uh, 28 to 30 days, and you know, you're expecting to yield maybe a ton, ton and a half if you're, you're, you're lucky uh, per acre. You know, at this time of year, you, your production slows way down where maybe you're under a ton, um, whereas other times of year, you can grow a lot more alfalfa. Um, the other crops that we're growing, like cotton, um, you know, cotton stresses out this time of the year, which actually cotton is a desert plant, so it, it does pretty well in high temperatures like this. But um, this time of year, we're, our, our big focus is actually to grow um, flowers on the cotton, those flowers eventually uh, become bowls and the bowl is full of the fiber that, you know, becomes t-shirts, underwear, Q-tips, you know, all that stuff. So um, when, when cotton stresses out because of those high temperatures, and really it's the prolonged high temperatures that last into the night, uh, it actually causes the cotton to abort those flowers. And so the loss of flowers means less cotton bowls. So those are two of the things that we're really dealing with this time of year. Um, in terms of <clears throat> in terms of, of production on the farm, um, those hot temperatures are pretty intense. Um, you know, thinking back now to the soil side of things, uh, there's all kinds of different soils that we're farming here in the the, the valley on the reservation. Um, since the Colorado River has flowed through the valley for for many years, you know, for centuries, it's deposited different types of soil all over the place. So in some areas, you might have something that's really heavy, heavy clay. In other areas, you might have, you know, pretty sandy soil, or maybe you have a mixture, a loam-type soil where there's heavy clay and sand mixed in. 
Um, so what that has to do with, that has to do with porosity as well as the ability for soil to drain. And obviously you think, well, it's hot outside, plants need water, soil needs water. Um, however, on heavier soils, what actually happens is uh, you do need drainage because when water sits out for a long period of time, it gets really hot, right? And plants need water at certain temperatures. If temperatures get too high, it actually fries the plants. So on really, really heavy, heavy soils, what happens is you can get something called scalding, where there's actually the water gets on these heavy soils and the pore space in the soil closes up and creates almost like a hard pan, or you think of it as like a cup of water where it holds water. Now imagine putting a cup of water outside at the middle of the day, and let's say it does two days straight, and, and then you go and take a drink of that water, it'd probably be pretty hot. And it does the same exact things to the plants where when they try to take up that water, um, it, it is too hot, but probably more importantly, is while that water is in the soil, right, or it's on top of the soil, it actually suffocates the plant because there's not enough oxygen that can get into the air or into the soil and aerate in those roots. And so the plant can can also suffer that way. So um, heat does some pretty unique things uh, to us, not just, you know, it's uncomfortable for, for the people that are outside working, but it's also uncomfortable for the plants as well. Um, so really the big challenge is, is learning how to manage time during these hotter parts of the year. And by time management, I mean, how often are you irrigating? Uh, how often are you cutting your alfalfa or, you know, you know uh, doing other, other things with the plants that you're growing? So those are, those are really the big challenges. And, you know, we can go on and on about challenges. If you ever ask any farmer <laughs> what their challenges are, they could probably go on for hours. But um, right now, things are, are pretty, pretty rough in terms of the economy on farms. You know, last year we saw record prices for a lot of different things. And um, this year, things are slowing down. And, you know, coming out of COVID-19, and there was a lot of shortages on a lot of different things, not only because of logistical reasons, but also because, you know, demands were down um, and people weren't at work. But now coming out of it, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing some effects of an economic recession. You know, there's increases in... Um, in interest rates for loan markets and demand for a lot of our products is really slowing down. So it's challenging times, but we're, we're kind of meeting that by trying to diversify what we're doing, find new markets and, and be aggressive with marketing. Um, so those are a lot of, a lot of things that I guess I lose sleep at night about. Gotcha. That's good information. So for those who may not be familiar with the scale of uh, crit farms, how many acres are you currently farming and uh, how could you compare that in size to something that may be more understandable to, to somebody not in the farming industry? Perfect. Yeah. So in farming uh, here in the United States, we classify measurement of land in acres. And so one acre is about the size of the Joe Bush Stadium football field. Um, so it's relatively a large space. Think about it from the 10 yard line to the 10 yard line on both sides and about that same amount of width. That is one acre of land. Now, Crit Farms in, in our master lease, we have about 32,000 plus acres of that. So imagine Joe Bush Football Stadium, 32,000 times. Uh, that's essentially the size of the farm. Now, I'm a very visual person, so I like to think of, you know, what can I compare that in size with? And probably one of the most iconic places that most people can think of is, is New York City or the island of Manhattan. The island of Manhattan is only 14,000 acres. Crit Farms is two times the size of the island of Manhattan. And just imagine the cityscape and, you know, there's Yankee Stadium, there's 
you know, there's the One World uh, Trade Center, Broadway, you know, all of that is all encompassed, Central Park, all of that is encompassed in the Isle of Manhattan, island of Manhattan, and we're two times the size of that. So we're quite a large operation. Um, Crit Farms has kind of grown to be that size over the last probably four to five years. Um, and right now, of that 32,000 acres, we have 22,000 of them in production, and uh, we're uh, creating plans and you know to to expand that to that full amount um, and we're both in California and in Arizona so on both sides of the river on the reservation um, we have farms that are as close to town as you know maybe a mile from the tribal headquarters all the way down to maybe two miles north of Blythe so we're, we're a vast farm there's a lot of uh, a lot of space in between our different outfits and We've got a lot of employees to, to cover that land. So you might see Crit Farms trucks driving around the valley, and uh, that's probably why. It's, it's just a huge expanse of land. Right. I'm, I'm always super impressed by the scale of it. We launch drones to do uh, aerial footage, and uh, you get down there on the farms and get a drone up in the air, and you can really appreciate the, the size of it. Um, another thing to kind of put it into context, uh, the town of Parker we know that's a, a square mile, a square mile, 640 acres. So um, your 30,000 plus acres is uh, massive for sure. Yes, yes. And, you know, one point of, con uh, I guess, context as well is when you're, when you're driving down in the valley and you see a field, most of the fields here on our reservation are anywhere from 38 to 40 acres. Uh, so, you know, when you think about that one field, you know, that's, that's about 40 acres. Great. Um, so I've been hearing a lot about a community garden. Uh, what what can you tell us about this community garden that I've been hearing about? Yeah, it's actually, we, we call it the Elder's Garden. Uh, so it's an Elder's Community Garden that has been a part of Crip Farms off and on throughout the years. And um, I actually started as an intern at Crip Farms back in, I think, like 2009 or 2010. And my very first uh, job was to uh, go out and harvest that garden and then distribute it and that year, we had somebody had planted pumpkins in July, uh, so you know we had pumpkins in the middle of the summer and nobody wanted them, so it was a really tough job. But um, this last year, we we decided to resurrect that garden um, and, and bring it back, and so uh, we planted about a 12-acre garden. So in reality, it's it's a pretty massive garden, um, and we're growing a, a wide variety of crops. Um, we planted some uh, heirloom varieties of of, of different crops, so. Um, I'll tell you what we have. We have two different varieties of sunflowers. One is, you know, sunflowers for the flower for the beauty aspect of it. Um, the other is uh, sunflowers for sunflower seeds. And, and we grew those for the main purpose of trying to, you know, bring bees and pollinators near the farm because we were also going to grow uh, different types of squash. So we have two different varieties of zucchini, one yellow, one green. And then we also grew three different varieties of melons. So uh, there's uh, one type is uh, honeydew, and then there's also a, a cantaloupe melon, and then also some watermelon. Um, so all of those require pollination from bees, and uh, you know, although there's bees all over the valley, I didn't necessarily want to try and have to you know rent some bee boxes to come in. So we 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 put some natural attractant out there, and we put sunflowers. And um, when those flowers are blooming and there's pollen in the air, you know, there's tons of bees out there. Um, but anyways, though, so uh, right now the stuff that is uh, ready to be harvested, there's, you know, yellow zucchini, um, green zucchini, and there's also summer squash, or not, sorry, sorry not summer squash, um, 
cucumbers. Yeah, there's uh, pickling cucumbers out there that are ready to be harvested. Um, probably in the next two to three weeks, those honeydew will be ready to go. Um, we also grew a variety of sweet corn and then another variety of popcorn um, that in about two weeks is, should be ready to go. Um, one thing that did fail, right, because there's failure in life as well, um, we did grow some green beans, but I think those got a little too hot and most of those plants did die. So we'll, we'll give it a shot maybe a little earlier next year. Um, but what we've been doing um, when the garden, we harvest it once a week and uh, we've been working on distributing uh, that and we need to get more creative in, in distributing it. Uh, but we've taken uh, boxes or sorry, not boxes, a bins of, of produce uh, to the tribal office to you know then be dispersed. Um, we also take some to the senior center. Um, but the main vision for this this garden was actually for the community to come out and, and, and come and see it. So uh, we'll be working with Crit Media in the next you know next few weeks to make sure that we give you directions on how to find the field. It's right next to the office down at Crit. That was going to be my next question. Where yep. where can they find this? Yep, it's on McCabe Road and Fifteenth Avenue. Um, we irrigate it mostly on, on Thursdays and it takes about three or four days to dry up. So, uh, the days I'd encourage you to come pick would probably be, uh, maybe late Sunday, uh, through, through Thursday morning. Um, whenever you come, I just make, recommend making sure you wear, uh, some type of shoes that you don't mind getting dirty because in some spots it doesn't dry out very well and it's quite muddy. Um, but you're more than welcome to come and, and, and enjoy the beauty of the field, um, you know, there's, there's sunflowers are, are quite beautiful. Um, we do have some hand shears available in the office if you come during working hours and uh, you can cut a few sunflowers for your house. Um, of course, you're more than welcome to take some of those big pods of sunflowers to make your own sunflower seeds. Um, but the only, the only uh, request that I have is that please don't leave any trash in the field and uh, please only take what you'll eat. Um, it is tempting to, to, of course, load up, but um, we want to make sure that people have access to it. Um, one other thing is if you have livestock in your backyard, you know, or if you have sheep and cattle, um, there are, are very, very large different types of zucchini, which, you know, aren't that great to eat because that rind is so thick. Um, but livestock really, really do enjoy eating those squash. So yeah. um, livestock so, treat. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Or, or uh, the other thing is if you have chickens in your backyard, you can also, you know, freeze them and then turn it into a cool treat for your chickens as well. Cool. Kind of give them a, a retreat from the heat as well. Awesome. So I'm going to I'm going to shift a little bit. I always appreciate your technical knowledge, um, but I'm going to shift a little bit and uh, ask you more of, I guess, a personal question. Uh, what what made you pursue farming as a profession? Is this something that you have always been into? Is this a family thing for you or something that you just decided, you know, hey, I'm going to I'm going to give farming a shot? Yeah, well, um, a little bit about me. My, my parents had me quite young and um, when they were they were young. And so my grandparents, uh, specifically one of my grandfathers, was was a big influence on my life. And uh, my grandfather's name was Tony Lavis, and you know he's he's since passed on. But um, as a kid, you know he he would always share with me his experiences of growing up on a farm here on the reservation. Uh, he was a member of 4-H and FFA, and uh, he actually saved his FFA record books, which FFA is a high school organization for you know ag agricultural education. And I I couldn't ever, you know, picture uh, of a young person at the age that he was when he was in high school, you know, between 14 to 19 years old. And um, I, I, I learned about the scope of a project that he had where, you know, he's raising 
maybe 40, 50 head of cattle, you know, hundreds of chickens, sheep, and goats, and things like that. And on top of that, he was farming maybe 40, 80 acres of, of different crops. And I was always so inspired by what he was able, able to do as a young person. And of course, you know, after he graduated high school, you know, he went into farming for himself, but this industry has a lot of ups and downs. Any farmer will tell you that. And I, I think he had too many downs and he got out of it, or I don't even know if he got out of it. He may have been forced out of it, right, by financial discord. But right. um, throughout his life, he he worked as a, um, a irrigation systems operator, or what I call ditch riders for uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs. And so he was always kind of connected back to the industry. And he imparted on me the importance of it. And so from that young age, I was, I was interested. And you know, he encouraged me to get involved in 4-H as a nine-year-old, and I did. And of course, I participated in FFA, and I just really grew to appreciate the industry. But also, not only taking that that early that early inspiration, but also admiring the farmers in our community. I mean, there's so many great role models that farm here at Crit. You know, some of them are tribal members, some of them are not, but they're doing some pretty innovative things, and they have been doing some innovative things for a very long time. Uh, and I just really appreciated what they did, and it was something that I I wanted to get into, and so. Uh, after I graduated from high school, I, I went to the University of Arizona, and you know, one of the things that I first wanted to do was be a teacher, uh, an agricultural education teacher, actually. And so I tried that, and I quickly learned that the classroom wasn't necessarily for me. Uh, so after after I graduated, and you know, after I, I did teaching for a year, I worked for the Cooperative Extension Service for the University of Arizona, and and then during the pandemic, actually, um, there was an opportunity to come back here and work at Crit Farms, and. Uh, as when I was in college, I'd, I'd spent every summer at Crit Farms interning, and I enjoyed it. It was a the farm wasn't nearly as big then, but I learned a lot there. And a million years, I would never imagine that I'd come back and ever, you know, be the manager of the farm. But COVID kind of pushed me into that opportunity, and uh, so I've been at Crit Farms for a little over two years now. And um, I just take it as a a great opportunity not only to give back to my community and and also to give back to Crit, which you know helped with my education, um, but really, really just trying to pass on the, gen, the, the, you know, pass on the passion to my children as well. Um, and we have such unique opportunities here with, you know, the abundant resources we have, you know, our land is amazing. Um, the rights that we have to the water is amazing. And really our climate and the opportunities that we have are, are really just an abundance of, of wealth untold right and and i i think that tradition will tell us that yeah this is this is really important that's why we're here right um but thinking about like the general landscape of the world right now like there's just so many opportunities here in this valley uh and and i get inspired you know thinking about it and and it was really the vision that i was able to create in my mind that that you know convince convince my wife and, and my kids to move here, move back home, you know, and everybody wants to come back home at some point in their life, but really the opportunity of what we could create together, you know, the, the opportunities that Crit and Crit Farms has to, 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 to grow our economy is just pretty inspiring. And, and I think about, you know, how many generations of tribal members after, you know, can benefit from what we want to build. So it's really those opportunities that, that brought me into the industry and have kept me here and, you know, even though I, I lose a lot of sleep over the farm, uh, it still makes it worth it every day to, to kind of uh, come to work and, and do my best. Words of advice for these young uh, future farmers in the community. Anything you'd want to 
share based on your experience? I know you, you said you got involved young. Um, what would you recommend? Yeah. You know, I, I think that the biggest thing is, is that you have to think of everything as a, an opportunity to learn, you know, whether it's successful or it's a failure, there's always something to be learned from that and every experience. So, um, in agriculture, not everything goes right. You know, there's, I'd say failure is probably equal the number of successes that I've had in my life. Um, but it's really the ability to stick to it or, you know, I guess it's grit is what you need to, you need to figure out and you need to find in yourself to, to persevere and to kind of push through those challenges. And, you know, I guess, you know, growing up here, I know that everyone has challenges in their lives. Like, you know, there's very ideal fam there's there's very few ideal family situations and everybody has their struggles, but what sets people apart is that grit to be able to push past um, push past the things that hold them back and and to excel. Um, and it's also the grit that keeps you going in the hard times as well. And you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie and say that I've had like traumatic, ridiculously hard experiences, but you know, there's there has been some some time since I've been here where we've had some real challenges. And you know, I feel like if I if I didn't have a vision to push through to, you know, I it, I'd easily hang my hat up. But um, I'd say that just really work on that. And I guess one other piece is is don't ever burn bridges. <laughs> um, yeah, I think back to there was times when I was the intern at Crit Farms and there was things that I got assigned to do that I thought were, you know, silly. And although I could have easily just said, ah, forget it, I'm out of here. You know, I, I guess reputation is everything. So I've always make sure to try and finish the task, right? And and leave people with a good taste in their mouth about their experiences of working with me. Um, so my advice is don't burn bridges because you don't know when you might need to call on a resource in the future. And you don't know who you're going to work with or work for or, you know, try to get something out of later on in life. So have grit. And don't burn bridges. Those are my two pieces of advice. Great advice. Awesome. Well, Josh, again, thank you. Um, appreciate your information. Uh, if the community has questions about the farm or the community garden, how can they get in contact? Yeah. Um, two quick ways to get a hold of me. You can shoot me an email. That's obviously um, pretty easy. My email, my email address is josh.more at crit-nsn.gov. And more has two O's in it. Um, the second way is to actually call the farm office and you can um, ask to talk to me. The chances are I probably won't be there, but if you leave a voicemail um, or leave a message to have you call you back, I try and get those done by, you know, 24 to 48 hours. Um, obviously, if it's urgent, I'll give you a call as soon as possible, but my days often get pretty bogged down. But uh, the farm office uh, phone number is 928-662-4331. And of course, the third way is, is, uh, just drive on down and stop by and, and see what's going on. Um, you know, one of the probably first things that we did at the farm office is we got some coffee cups um, with the goal of, of making ourselves more transparent and open to, to visits and answering questions. So um, I love doing things like that and, and, and fielding questions about uh, farm operations or any curiosities you might have. Um, more than happy to, to teach and to learn and, you know, I guess my, my first experience was as a teacher, so I love teaching. Um, so if you're wanting to know about random things that go on on the farm or happen or why things happen, I'd love to share that, that knowledge with you. Well, we're certainly going to take advantage of that knowledge here uh, on this podcast moving forward and, and look forward to having you on here to maybe provide a farm report or um, you know share some of this exciting stuff that you guys have going on with the community. 
Um, so again, thanks for uh, showing up and um, look forward to more with you in the future. So getting into some more things here, I'm pulling up uh, critmediaonline.com right now. And I'm going to go over a couple things on the community events calendar. So it looks like uh, this week, July 24th, 2023, uh, the Crit Museum is continuing its kids camp. Uh, that is at the Crit Museum. It goes on until July 28th. Be sure to reach out to the Crit Museum for more information about that. Um, let's see. We have July 25th. 2023, the CRIT Special Diabetes and Recreation Program is hosting a healthy eating class. That is at 12.15 p.m. at the CRIT SDP building on First Avenue. Always a good opportunity to learn about healthy eating. Uh, July 26th, 2023, Mojave Language Class for Kids at the CRIT Library and Archives. Make sure to reach out for them uh, to them for more information about that. And that looks like it pretty much rounds out the week in terms of uh, our Crit Media Online events calendar. If you would like your events added to the Crit Media Online events calendar, be sure to email critmedia at crit-nsn.gov. And once again, I'd like to thank you all for listening to the all-new Crit Media podcast. As programming is developed, we look forward to bringing you more news and information from the reservation. Uh, along with interviews and information from community members, uh, such as today's interview with Josh from the farms. If you'd like to be a guest on the Crit Media podcast, you can also email critmedia at crit-nsn.gov to discuss further. And be sure to stay out of the heat, drink a lot of water, and uh, avoid this intense summer heat. Have a great rest of your work week, and I'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>